0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your living and active word. Uh Thousands of years it was written down in very specific and real context for the people to whom the letter of Galatians was written, or to the Galatians. But Lord, it's very specific and significant for us today. We pray that by your spirit you'd help us to hear your voice speaking to us. And Lord God, be built up. By that, challenged by that, encouraged by it, shaped by it. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want to ask you how many times you have tried to change something in your life, made a good start at that, and then ended up back where you began. Maybe done well for a while, but before too long you had reverted back. To where you were, maybe even worse. Maybe uh, like me, like a lot of people, especially men my age, you've wanted, you've decided it's time to get fit and healthy. So I need to eat a lot less of this and be eating much more of this kind of food. Um, maybe spend a lot less time doing this in front of the TV and a lot more time out on the road, out on the path, getting the miles into the legs. Or maybe for you. Uh, Change is more about the internal personality kind of things, maybe getting control of your temper. And so you've wanted to change from less anger uh, to more serenity and calmness in your life. Whoever you are, I'm sure that there have been things that you've wanted to change. Um, change is almost a universal desire, certainly in our modern Western culture anyway. Maybe when you think about yourself, it's relationships that are the big deal. And instead of spending a lot of time on uh, social media trying to make sure you're keeping up to date with the people who you think their opinion is important, you've realised, actually, no, there are other people who are much more important and no I need to spend time with them face to face. Change is a big deal and it's not always easy, is it? In the English Language, we've got an idiom, a saying for someone who's changing their behaviour or changing their character. We say that they're turning over a new leaf. Turning over a new leaf. Which sounds like it's got something to do with the leaves that grow on trees, but how does that work? Well, that's because it's actually referring to turning a page in a book, turning over a new page in the story of your life. The trouble is, so often in our stories, the new leaf looks a whole lot like the old one. Change is hard. But this is a series about how change is possible. See, right at the heart of Christianity, it is a message about change. The Christian message is a message of change. It starts with the biggest change, the deepest of all changes. It has nothing to do with our own efforts to change and everything to do with what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ, what God has given us as a free gift. At the heart of Christianity is this message that through the death of Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, we have been changed from being God's enemies to being God's friends. We are changed from deserving punishment for our sin to receiving forgiveness for our sins. Uh, And if you remember the kinds of things we're following through in our Bible and 10 series, although we didn't really say this one specifically, but we've changed from being people made in the image of Adam, the old man, with his breath of that, that leads to death in his nostrils, to being people being made into the image of God's son with the, the life-giving breath of God, God's spirit living in us, the spirit of Jesus who changes and transforms us from the inside out. So in this series about change, uh, for the next nine weeks, we're actually going to be looking mostly at the work that God is doing in the garden of your life, to grow and develop change. The work that God does to bring about transformation. And we want to look at how real change comes not simply from just trying harder, but it comes from you and me delighting in the work that God is doing. In the language of Galatians, one of the verses we read before in chapter 5, verse 25, it's about keeping in step with what God is doing in us by his spirit. Now, today and then next Sunday, uh, these two weeks are kind of designed as introductory talks, orientation talks. We'll, we'll look at the pattern that the Bible sets up about how change and transformation works in a person's life. And then having that set that up the remaining seven weeks, the plan is to drill down into specific areas of life each week. Specific areas where we might want to see change happening. We're going to take our cue, that the pattern for this, from the pattern in the passage uh, that Penny read for us in Galatians chapter 5. You might want to have a look in your Bibles there and get a sense of how it all flows together. Um, in verse 17, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this conflict that goes on within anyone who's a Christian. Uh he talks about the conflict between the desires of the sinful nature or if you've got another Bible translation it might say of the flesh there compared to the desires that come from the spirit and these two things are in conflict with each other. We, we find ourselves in this battle and it's the contrast between those two things that we, we're going to look at each Sunday from the third week onwards. So each week we will specifically look at one area where that desire of the sinful nature is ruling so that will be in uh, areas such as oh there you go I missed some slides uh the the, he he lists out the desires of the sinful nature and he contrasts it with the fruit of the spirit and so each week we'll look at things like pride and anger Uh, we'll talk about envy and lust Uh, we're going to spend a week in gluttony a week looking at sloth or, or laziness And uh, in the final week, thinking about greed. But always to contrast that with the life that God promises, the life that God is growing in us as he works in us by his spirit. The the good life, the real life, uh, that life of fruitfulness and flourishing that God's at work to produce in everyone whose trust is in the Lord Jesus And so the title of the series has to do with these seven areas. And I just want to talk about that. There's something important to say there. This idea of the seven deadly sins, that's an idea that's had a long history in the Christian church. And I just want to be frank, not all of it has been helpful. In fact, a lot of it's been very unhelpful and unbiblical because it implies or it has been implied that there are some sins that are a lot worse than others that some sins are really deadly and others are more trivial and you don't need to worry quite so much about them that's not what this series is getting at we believe very strongly what the bible says that no matter what it is the wages of sin is death romans 6:23 all sin is deadly We're just picking out these seven using this traditional grouping as a useful way for us to get to the heart of the struggle that we experience. But more importantly, as a way to talk about the good life, the fruitful life that God's spirit works in us. Because it's not, the series is not called The Seven Deadly Sins. We're deliberately calling it life beyond The Seven Deadly Sins. It's about that green shoot that's growing up out of the dead, dry ground that you see on the slide. It's the life that Jesus died to save us for. He died to save us from sin and the consequences of sin, but he also died to save us for the life that God wants to grow in us. And so as we kind of come to this series, I want to say, if you're not a... Christian believer you're wondering about this stuff you might be thinking crikey a whole term on sin I can think of exactly seven reasons why I don't want to come to church for the next uh, few weeks I don't want to have rules and restrictions heaped on me I'm sick and tired of Christians talking about that stuff well maybe maybe you are a Christian believer and you're just going crikey seven weeks of talking about sin how depressing I'm struggling with this. Why is the church going to rub it in and and remind me of all the ways I don't live up to what God wants of me? Maybe you're a Christian and you think, well, of course, it's kind of easy, isn't it? I'm doing fine at this. It doesn't matter who you are. I, I want to promise you this series has something to say to you about that good life that only Jesus can bring and how we see that grow in our life. So all of that is kind of by way of introduction to the whole series. What I want to do now is really just talk about this one key idea for today, um, the one lesson about God's plan for change in our lives and transformation in our lives that is going to carry through the whole series. And here it is. It's this. If If you try to change purely through your own effort through exerting your own strength, you will always fail. If you just try to turn over a new leaf on your own terms, the new leaf may very well end up being just as miserable as the old one. Now that's a message that's consistent through the whole of the New Testament and it's a message that is really important in the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians. In term four, uh, we're going to be doing a series going through the whole of Galatians from beginning to end in in detail. But let me just give you a a quick quick overview of the background to this bit because we're looking at this stuff in chapter five today. Um, In the very early church... There, were, there was a group of people teaching that, as well as trusting Jesus, in order to be saved, you needed to obey all of the laws that God had commanded through Abraham, Moses, through, through um, all the Old Testament teachings. That the, the way to be a Christian was to trust Jesus and to be obedient to these laws. That it wasn't enough just to trust Jesus, that you needed Jesus plus something else Jesus gets you started, but then you need to work hard to finish the job. And Paul writes Galatians to say, no, no, that's not right. You see it even in chapter 5. So in chapter 5, verse 4, just a bit before the passage that we read, he says this about counting on your own ability to just obey the laws to to justify yourself. He says, you who are trying to be justified by law, look at what he says. That ends up from that. You've been alienated from Christ. In other words, you're cut off, removed from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. You can't do it just by by trying to justify yourself. He says back a little bit further, they're absolutely crazy for thinking they can do it in their own effort. In chapter 3, verse 3, he literally says they're fools. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you really... like? Is it serious what I'm hearing about you? Are you trying to attain your goal by human effort? You've got to be nuts. But it's worth paying attention to because actually that kind of way of thinking is the way we often think. That we get saved by grace. Now the remainder of the Christian life is about working hard to bring about the changes God says he wants. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say to you that Christianity is just about sitting back in the lounge chair and God does everything. We'll see in this series there is work to do, but it's never going to be work that is successful if we're just doing it off our own bat, relying on our own effort. Some of you may remember hearing me talk about Paul Tripp in the past, He's a um, preacher. He's an author. I've recommended some of his books before. He's a Presbyterian, so therefore must be crazy. Oh, um, well, he didn't laugh at that. <laughs> uh, and, and he tells this story about an apple tree in his backyard. And this apple tree does not produce apples like the ones that you see on the screen. Year after year after year, this apple tree produces nothing but inedible dry withered, rotting apples. And so his wife, Luella, suggests that they cut the tree down. It's time to get rid of it, Paul, you know? It's never going to produce any decent fruit. It never has, it never will. There is something wrong with the tree. But he's not one to give him that easily. He's got a better idea. So he goes down to the shops and he comes home with some brand new garden shears, a fancy-looking nail gun, and a big crate of fresh juicy apples and so he gets out the ladder and he cuts off all of the dry withered apples from the tree and with the nail gun he attaches these fresh juicy apples to the branches and hey presto a tree full of fresh fruit right well of course it's not i mean yes you can fool someone who's looking from a distance And maybe for a couple of days that fruit is okay, but he he hasn't done anything near fixing the problem with the tree. Nailing fruit onto a dead tree does not make it a living fruit-producing tree. What he's done is crazy. It's foolish. It's very similar to the picture that Paul is painting in Galatians 3 verse 3 of thinking that God's job is to save us and now our job is to make changes. If you try to change by your own efforts, the truth is sometimes you will do well. You'll, you'll succeed and you'll be able to sit back and say, oh, check, it, check me out, I'm, I've got this covered. Look at how I'm mastering this. That will lead to pride and arrogance and, and looking down on other people who are struggling. Sometimes when you try to do it in your own effort, you will lose the battle. And then the picture's very different, isn't it? That's the woe is me, despair, why do I even bother? I might as well just give in because I'm never really going to change. Do you see, though, in both of those scenarios, the focus is on me, on achieving the goal through my human effort and whether or not I'm succeeding. The Bible says our focus really ought to be on Jesus Christ and what he has done, what the Spirit is doing for us. See, it's no accident when you get to Galatians 5.22, Paul is not talking about the fruit of human effort. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who produces fruit in our life so for us instead of nailing new behaviors onto the the dead tree of our sinful nature we need to give attention to the real fruit that god is growing in the new heart and the new life that he's given us in christ that's how change happens not through our own effort but by focusing on what god is doing Now, what are the obstacles to that? I reckon perhaps the biggest reason that we struggle with change, the biggest reason that our efforts to stop sinning and become more like Jesus, it's not because we're weak or we're tired or we we need an anointing from God or something like that. The biggest reason has more to do with us stopping believing what the gospel says about who we are. Uh, The biggest reason is that we actually Love, sin we love our sin we might say that we hate it, that it's wrong but we don't believe that it's that bad really we're a lot like Adam and Eve in the garden Uh, we believe Satan's lie that the way to happiness is to get to decide for ourselves what's right and wrong what's good and bad. See, our problem's not a lack of willpower. It's, it's actually that our loves are out of kilter. Our loves are out of whack. Instead of loving what God says, we love sin. Let's face it, each one of us, I'm sure, I'm confident when I say this, each one of us have things in our life that though we know that that thing is wrong, we actually pursue that thing. We love that thing. We cherish that thing. We make time for that thing. We look for opportunities to indulge that thing. Some of those things turn up on, on the list that we've got in Galatians chapter 5. It's a long list. When you look at it, you might not have to spend too long before you see something that appeals to you. Maybe in secret. I mean, the, the very first one on the list, sexual immorality. That's really big business here in Australia. Billions of dollars on internet pornography, on prostitution, and all kinds of other things. uh, Websites that organise for people to have affairs. Why is it such big business? It's because we Aussies love sin. We love sexual immorality. Amongst us here, maybe in secret, maybe we don't want anybody else to know about it, but we make a space for it in our life. We're committed to pursuing it. Maybe if you use something else on the list, um, what about jealousy and fits of rage? What's that about? Well, very often it's about someone who loves power. They love, it's, it's all about having control of their own little world. The, the world revolves around them and they exert their power, they, they ensure their power through, through acts of jealousy and rage. And you know, this week um, on the ABC, there's been a lot of reporting into cases of domestic violence in churches where we've seen how people... Have loved sin and tried to use the Bible to justify it. So, violent and abusive men, power loving men, have tried to justify their evil by claiming that the Bible gives them authority over their wives and their wives must submit to them no matter what. No matter what they do. But you know what? That's not godliness. That's not the kind of life that God is, is seeking to grow in us. It's sin. It's evil. It's on the list there. So, ladies, you don't have to put up with that if that's going on in your relationships. And men, I want to say to you, there are no excuses for behaving like that. Uh, Physical, emotional, mental abuse, none of it is right. Paul goes on. You need to read verse 21 in that list. He goes on to say, if you live like that, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. comes from loving sin our problem is not lack of willpower or strength our problem really is that we still love our sin we want to hang on to it we might tinker around the edges might nail a few good behaviors onto the tree of our life but what we really need to do is we need to uproot what's dead and cultivate the new plant the living plant that's been put in place in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the thing about change then is to love what God is doing. In the language of Galatians 5, we mentioned it before, verse 25, it's to keep in step with the Spirit, what the Spirit's doing in us. Or to go back to the, the first verse we read, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it's to recognise that if you are a Christian you have already died with Christ. Uh, Paul says, your old self was crucified with Christ along with him. So in chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I learn longer live, but Christ lives in me. I should have also added in, you can have a look uh, in chapter 5, a very similar thing, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires it's all past tense it's something that's already happened so what does it mean that it's happened in the past I, I have been crucified with christ well it means that when jesus hung on the cross god was punishing you and me for the sins we've committed in jesus christ in the person of jesus so when we turn to jesus in repentance and faith that means we come into a situation a relationship with god where god looks at us And that life of sin, as far as God's concerned, it's all been dealt with. It's already dead. It's been crucified on the cross. So the second half of the verse is equally important. Paul goes on to say, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what my life is about. It's about fixing my eyes on Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live, that's the new life that I have in Christ. I live with my eyes set on him, turning my heart toward him, turning my affections toward him, learning to love the things that he loves, to delight in the things that he delights in. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are they the things that you are deliberately making time for, that, that you're delighting in? A very wise man once said that Christians overcome the world by seeing the beauty and excellence of Christ. They overcome the world by seeing something more attractive than the world. That is Christ. He's another present minister, Thomas Chalmers, from the 19th century in Scotland. And even though that's an old quote from an old guy, he's right on the money. So the thing is, if you want to know how to change, if you want to see God's transforming power in your life... Remember, it is never going to come through the exertion of your own strength, through your own willpower. You're deciding, I'm just going to do this, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to do this. Genuine, lasting change never comes just through slogging away at the rules, trying to impress God. Instead, it comes when, when we've got these two things going on that Thomas Chalmers was talking about, when we see both the ugliness and destructiveness and the broken-down sickness of the life of sin it has been crucified with Christ. And then, having seen that, we're also struck by, because you can have that, but without the other, nothing's going to happen, we're also struck by the awesome beauty and the wonder and the excellence of the Lord Jesus and his plan. And what God is doing in us to make us like him. It's not morality that's going to change us. It's why I'm not standing up here preaching, be more moral, be more moral. The best morality is going to do is to have you nailing apples onto that dead tree. It's not morality that's going to change us, but delighting in what God does, what he's doing through the gospel, through the, the good news, that in Jesus Christ not only are are you revealed to be a more wicked and hopeless sinner than you would ever dare to admit? And not only are we shown to be more wonderfully loved than we would ever dare to hope for, but also that through his spirit, God is at work in us to change and transform us and make us into the likeness of his son, the image of his glorious son. Do you see what Romans 8, 29 is saying that God's plan was from before the beginning of time, that you, that all of his people should be transformed. His plan is to change you, to conform you into the image of his son. And nothing that you do or anyone else does is going to stop him from working out his plan. So delight in that. Rejoice in that. Keep in step with that. Isn't that what you want? To be made more and more like Jesus? So Let that be your vision and let that be what drives you forward. The good life that God invites you to be a part of, that empowers you to be a part of. How about we pray? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that your love for us is... um, So big that even when we continue to love sin, you don't give up on us, but you're working out your plan to conform us to the likeness of your Son. And Father, we struggle with change, we find it hard, but we thank you that in the gospel of grace there's good news, that you're at work, that You are growing new life in us. So help us tomorrow and the next day and through this whole series to just keep seeing more and more clearly the ugliness and the broken down sickness of the desires of the sinful nature and to delight in the wonder and the excellencies of the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ that you're forming in us. We pray it all in Jesus' name.